بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين ولا عاقبة المتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده ولا شريك له رب العالمين وأشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا محمد عبده ورسوله المبعوث رحمة للعالمين صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد So yesterday in the second Jumu'ah we started a topic about the fadail of the Ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We did not get uh, um, much uh, covered. We just started and I thought maybe we can continue that insha'Allah. So the reason we want to cover this bab, there are multiple benefits um, about learning about the virtues and fadail of this Ummah. First is that um, it, can, it should create within us in this day and age when we see the, the Ummah going through so many difficulties, so much hardship, so many trials, so many tribulations uh, globally throughout the world. When we learn about the Fadail and we review the virtues of this Ummah, then this should give us a sense of gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a sense of shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that despite all that is happening, there's still so much to be thankful for. And we did not apply to be in this ummah. We did not deserve this, to be in this ummah of Rasulullah because of any of our personal accomplishments. Rather, this is solely from the Father of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon us. If we are not even aware of the blessing that we have, then the chances that we are going to, there is no chance, in fact, that we will thank Allah ta'ala for the blessing. If a person knows about the blessing and is aware of it, then there are two possibilities. He may thank Allah for the blessing, or he may ignore it, he may forget about it, he may not appreciate it. But if a person does not even know about the blessing, right? so for example, uh, you, you give somebody a gift in their hand uh, of cash or a check, a thousand dollar gift, you give it to them and they're aware of it because you, you give it to them in their own hand. Now he could be very grateful and thankful and say, thank you so much, I was not expecting this, that's, that's, that is so kind of you. Or he could uh, just take it and put it away or reject it. These are the possibilities. Uh, but if you gave it to someone to give it to him, your intention is he should receive it, but he never got it. Uh, or maybe you just directly deposit it in his account or his caretaker, his guardian's account, and he did not check it yet, he doesn't know. He's away, he's traveling or some other uh, case. So he's not aware. You give the gift, but he's not aware. So there's no way he's going to ever appreciate it. So if we are in such a situation where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has granted us these blessings, these virtues, uh, and we don't even know about the virtue, then how are we going to ever thank him? The second thing, second benefit, first is that you know, we, we create shukr within our hearts for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Secondly is that it gives us consolation as well. Despite everything going on, Alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not abandoned us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, is, uh, has his plan. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best why the ummah is in the position it is. But at the end of the day, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does love us. And thirdly, is that beyond shukr, it should inspire us to further amal. If we realize how much Allah loves us and how much honor He has given us and how much position He has given us, this is a further motivation for us, inshaAllah, to increase in our amal, to realize that what is the objective that, that Allah Ta'ala had created us for and how much more we need to do and how much we need to increase. And 
there is something within us that we have this blessing we are perhaps ignorant of unaware of and that is why we are not actualizing our full potential So th- there is a distinction there is a unique fadilah of this ummah and every individual of this ummah compared to all of the previous nations and um, so many unique blessings so there is something special now what it should not create just like these are the um, uh, positive things we should look for and the niyyah we should make but at the same time, we have to guard ourselves never to fall into the very obvious um, p- potential pitfall, and that is kibber, arrogance. So by studying these fada'in and virtues, if we end up thinking that I'm better than you, I'm better than the other nations, or I'm, um, that you are disgraced and, and, and I am elevated, and this creates arrogance in the heart, then uh, that would be a failure and that is absolutely not what we are hoping to achieve so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts off the first point of course is going to be Surah Ali Imran, Ayah 110 wherein Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in very explicit terms right in the Quran before we even get to the hadith Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says that using the superlative form kuntum khayra ummatin you are the best of all the nations and that should be sufficient one ayah and the first part of the one ayah um, for us to believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said Kuntum you are the best of all the nations now there are so many ummas so many nations that have come every nabi uh, yeah, not, you cannot actually technically say that every nabi had, a, had his own ummah every nabi had ummah that who they were sent to guide but every nabi didn't, didn't necessarily have their own ummah so there were three MBA in the one town. And it's not that uh, each Nabi had one third of the town assigned to them. This is your unit. Unit one, unit two, unit three. No. The, 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 all the three had the responsibility for the entire town. So the other way you can say every ummah had a nabi minimum one but not necessarily every um, nabi had a unique ummah but uh, there were approximately 124,000 anbiya 124,000 and Allah knows how many different ummahs there have been so this is not some breaking news first time you heard this Everyone has heard this ayah so many times. The question is, have we stopped to ponder on it? Have we reflected on it? Have we thought about it? <clears throat> when Allah Ta'ala is saying, Kuntum, you, he's talking to whom? <clears throat> he's not talking only to Sahaba. He's talking to each and every single one amongst us. Kuntum, khayra ummatin. You are the best of all the nations. Not just okay or good or, you know, you'll pass, but the best. You have been selected, you have been divinely chosen. And ikhraj, khuruj means to come out. Kharaja is to exit. Khuruj is going out, leaving. Makhraj is the place of exiting. So just like here, we have the exit signs with the red in, uh, in Arabic speaking countries, they will say makhraj. And somebody 
uh, is studying Tajweed, he'll say Makharaj, which, which, which letter is pronounced there? This is not the Makharaj or Makharaj of the Tajweed. This Makharaj is a place of exiting. So the reason when we study Tajweed, we learn Makharaj, is uh, those are the different places where the huruf and the letters, they exit from the mouth, right? So Allah Ta'ala said, Ukhrijat, you have been taken out. Meaning, if all of the humanity from Adam salam to the last human being are in one plane, then a selected group who Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala has given the honor to be the Khairul Umam, the best of all nations, they have been picked out, selected, chosen, and taken out, Ukhrijat. Normally when you have the word Ikhraj taken out, it's... Um, it's a negative thing. It's a negative connotation. Like you have a, a fruit, so you take out the bad part, cut it, and throw it away. Right? Instead of throwing the whole fruit, nowadays people just throw the whole fruit. You should t- cut out the bad part. If something burns, cut out the burned part. If you, we are in a school, so you know, you, if someone is harmful for the student body and is creating problems, then the same word is used, ikhraj, <coughs> which it means to expel. The student is expelled. So typically it's used in a, a negative connotation. But over here, ukhrijat means uh, that all of the people are here. Everyone, the smaller portion is taken out and leaves the bigger portion. Uh, so it, it's, it's more efficient that way. So if you have everyone here and then we say that, okay, who are, who are the brothers, mashallah, who um, Allah Ta'ala has given them tawfiq, they are ready to do the khidmah, right? So there's only, from the entire crowd, you only have some individuals. So they would be told, okay, you can stand up and proceed. Allah is giving you that honor. The rest of the people can remain sitting. It's like that. Ukhrijat linnas. They have been taken out. They have been selected by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why have they been uh, selected? Linnas, for the, for, for the benefit of mankind. So these individuals have been selected for the benefit of the rest of humanity. And what is the feather in their cap? And what is their unique attribute? Because they do not only do good deeds and they do not only abstain from sins, but on top of that, they invite towards good deeds and they prevent sins. They prohibit sins. There are so many words in the Quran and the Sunnah for good deeds. Of amal uh, saliha is the most common word we may have heard. And so many words are in the Quran for sins, like sayyat and uh, ma'asiyah means ma'asi is sins but over here uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses a different word for the good deed and a different word for the sin which is not typically used right it's, it's not amilul ma'roof right and or whenever Allah ta'ala says talks about sins <clears throat> he talks about ma'asiyah ma'asi or sayyat over here he's using the word munkar why are these words used in this context? It's because ma'roof means that which is well known. Arafa ya'rifu means to know. The one who has recognition of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the arif billah. Allah has created us for his ma'rifah. In Urdu, when you introduce someone, ta'aruf, right, is introduction. Um, And <clears throat> so, so Arif is the one who knows, and Maruf is that which is known. 
So the one who is well known or the thing which is well known, he's a well known person. We heard that about Maruf Shaksiyah, this is a well known person. In Urdu they say that. Maruf is well known. Now, Ta'muruna bil Maruf, you invite towards that which is well known. Meaning there are so many, what is well known? Meaning there are so many different types of good deeds. Uh, and some of the good deeds are, are, are concerning which there may be a difference of opinion. There may be an ikhtilaf about it. Is this the actual sunnah practice or is this an abrogated practice? Is it mansukh? Um, is this the correct way of performing it? There is a different ishtihad, a different mujtahideen. Since oh, it is not something which is well known to the extent that there is no difference of opinion about it being the sunnah of Rasulullah So we should not start inviting towards those types of practices and make that our agenda. So, for example, um, in Salah, because Salah is something that we perform five times a day and we perform in Jama'ah. So there are hadith of Abdullah bin Umar radiallahu anhumah that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam raised his hands in the takbiratul ula in the beginning of the Salah and before ruku'ah, before ruku'ah, ba'da ruku'ah, after ruku'ah. There are hadith that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa raised his hands between the sajdatain. Between the sajda and the next sajda in the middle, he raised his hands as well. So, and then there's also hadith of Abdullah bin Mas'ud, Allah usalli bikum salat of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, should I not perform the sunnah, salat of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, farafa'i in the takbiratul ula, then he raised his hands in the first takbir, and then he didn't, thumma lam ya'ud, he didn't until the end. So there's a difference of opinion. <clears throat> Both hadith are, are rigorously authentic. So some have different ways of interpreting this. Some make tarjih, some make tansiq, some make tatbiq. Different ways of interpreting it. So among the four imams, Imam Malik and Imam Hanifa, the senior two, the shaykhin, they, they believe that raising the hands is in the, first, in the beginning of the salah. The most respected, most beloved, Imam Muhammad ibn Idris al-Shafi'i al-Muttalabi, Imam Ahmad al-Hanbal, Imam, Imam who saved the sunnah and the aqidah uh, in the face of the Mu'tazali. Uh, and mashallah, we respect him. And the reason I'm emphasizing respect them is not because it's because uh, if I if we or some of us may not follow their ishtihad, it doesn't mean that we look down upon them. They uh, <clears throat> they believe that that is a continual sunnah practice. But some parts of the takbir they also believe are mansukh, abrogated, meaning they do not indicate that we should raise our hands between the two sajdas. So if you take this far'i matter, juzi matter, <clears throat> and we say that uh, you go on a campaign. Uh, about it and to invite the entire ummah towards it then and we say what are you doing you're doing amr bil ma'roof then that's not ma'roof because that's the reason Allah Ta'ala chose the word performing the salah itself performing with jama'ah itself right uh, and the ilm and the dhikr and the ikhlas and, and the da'wah and all of these these are the and ikram these are ma'roof this is amr bil ma'roof but if there's a difference of opinion about saying Amin softly or loudly, or about positioning the feet in the prayer, and these minor issues, then we should not necessarily make that into a full-blown campaign. Same thing on the Munkar side. So <clears throat> this was an example I gave about the Takbir Ula from the Shafi'i inviting the Hanafi. But uh, on the other side, you have, for example, of a of a Hanafi says that in his fiqh, the understanding in this ishtihadi matter 
shrimp or crabs, right, or lobster, is haram. And they believe the only thing, Hanafi believes that the only thing from the sea that they eat is uh, a fish. So the only the fish is halal without zabiha. <clears throat> because when you take the fish out of the sea, you do not make zabiha of it. It dies from uh, not having oxygen because it cannot breathe in the air. So that is That is a meita. That is a carrion who dies natural death without um, subhanallah slaughtering without zabiha and it's halal. Rasulullah sallallahu said. <clears throat> as far as the ayah is, which Imam Shafir used, Sayyid over here, according to Imam Hanifa means fishing, the act of fishing, the masdar. It means to fish. It doesn't mean masid, that which is fished. Allah Ta'ala, in that context, when He's talking about ihram, Ya amru la wa antum hurum. Oh, those who believe, do not hunt. You cannot hunt when you are in state of ihram. And then Allah Ta'ala says that, However, fishing in the sea is halal. Fishing in the sea. Whereas Imam Shafi, respect to opinion, is that everything that is fished from the sea. So he takes the, Islam, the mustard and takes it into the meaning of Islam of He says every single thing that is fished from the sea. He goes with the majaz. The Hanafi go with the haqiqah. They go with the literal meaning that fishing. And Imam Shafi says that which is fished. So in, in, in short, this is something that is uh, ikhtilaf about, about it. Just like the former example, is it ikhtilaf, is it sunnah or not? This is ikhtilaf, is haram or not? You understand? That's the difference. Now if somebody, he makes a whole campaign, I will st- stop the um, entire ummah from eating crab. Don't go to red lobster or orange lobster or white, any type of lobster. <coughs> so this, if he starts doing this and he says, why are you doing this campaign? Uh, that's why there's a whole ikhtilaf about shrimp. And the, not ikhtilaf with the Shafi'i, ikhtilaf within the Hanafiya. Because uh, the, some Hanafiya say that, hey, this is a fish too. The, the masala is, is it a fish or is not a fish? So in the past, because if it's a fish, it's halal according to Hanafiya. If it's not a fish, it's, not, it's haram. Uh, or makru tahrimi. But uh, according to Shafi'i, will they have this discussion? There's no need to even have the discussion. Because everything from the ocean is halal to begin with. So it's not a discussion baina shafi'iyah it's discussion baina among the hanafi scholars so in the past you know so people were giving evidences that it is a fish from literature from common understanding from urf and this and that um, and then um, later on taxonomy right the, within biology and within science there's a field of taxonomy which is a classification of the species so, uh, so they they classify it under crustaceans that it does not have the khususiyat of a fish. So they will define what is a fish. So based on that, some say that there's no way it can be a fish because that's how the scientists define it. So therefore, shrimp is haram. But others say that, okay, they're not going to argue the science because that's not part of their subject. But they will say that the fiqh of determining whether it's halal or haram is not based on the scientific calculation of it, but rather based on how the people treat it. As it comes in Ibn Abidin in his in his Uqud uh, Rasul Mufti, he, he says that sometimes the Urf meaning the common understanding and the way the people approach the situation in the Sharia, that 
it has اعتبار, there is a consideration of that as well. That's why sometimes قد يدار. Sometimes the dar dar the the basis of the ruling will be on the understanding of the people. So if you ask the people, what is a lobster? Those people in the villages who are fishermen on the sea and the coast, you say, what is a lobster? They'll say, that's not a fish. And what what is a shrimp? They'll say it's a fish, because the ruling cannot be based on such a high level thing where people who are the scientists uh, only they are able to determine that. How is the common person going to know? So then this would fall under taklif mala yutaq. You're making that person uh, responsible to get a full degree uh, and know that which is beyond his capacity. And wala yukalifullahu nafsan illa wasaha. Allah does not make it binding upon you, right? That's why. You, uh, if you see the moon, you fast. If you don't see the moon, you don't have to fast. So you do not have to necessarily have the level uh, of, uh, of, of telescopes and um, Hubble telescopes. And a Hubble telescope, it will not help in this one. You, that's going too far. <laughs> but uh, if, you, uh, if you have, um, subhanAllah, high-level observatories, you don't need to. Right? Because the Sharia is such that you can implement it in London, Tokyo, Paris, as well as in the middle of the Sahara and in the Congo and, and in the jungle and in the mountains. So, in any case, I, I just wanted to give an example that this is not munkar. So, there's, you, if somebody is eating shrimp or eating crab, you cannot go and stop him. Manura minkum, munkaran. Whoever sees a munkar, right? Go, let him go change it with his hand. Uh, if he's not able to grab his hand and stop him then speak out against it if he's not able to do that he regarded evil in his heart this is the lowest level of iman so, so this eating a lobster is not a munkar so whoever sees a munkar let him stop with his hand does not apply particularly it's important in America because this is where we have people from you know who have uh, all throughout the world have come to chase the American dream. Right. The American dream uh, of, um, of a person having his, uh, you know, his own home and his family and freedom and democracy and human rights. So this is, this is why people have come for economic opportunity, etc. Now, there are people from all different places in the world and they have different, you know, fiqh in all different places. And the different fiqh in the different places happened from the era of Rasulullah Wasallam. Not in his noble presence. Because in tanazatum fi shayin, if you have any ikhtilaf about any fiqh matter, go back to Rasulullah Wasallam and ask him. So when he is present, there's no different opinion. There's no ikhtilaf ma fi qawlani wa la There's no two opinions. However, even when he's still alive, he sent different sahaba, Mu'ad bin Jabal to Yemen. Uh, and he, Abdullah bin Mas'ud to, uh, later on went to Kufa and Allah ibn Hadrami to Bahrain and Abu Darda to Sham and Abdullah ibn Amr ibn Al-As to Misr so they were all great Sahaba and Fuqaha they gave Ubay ibn Ka'ab and Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman all the way to Azerbaijan so these different Sahaba went and they established the deen so they would make ishtihad and, and their ishtihads would not necessarily all be the same they would drive rulings Rasulullah told them to do so when he was sending Mu'ad bin Jabal to Yemen, he asked him that Kayfa taqdi, when people ask you questions, how are you going to decide? Bi kitabillah with the book of Allah. Fa'illam tajid, if you don't find the answer in the book of Allah, you look through the whole Quran, min awali la you won't find shrimp. Then, because, you know, you're in Medina, there's no ocean. But now you go to Makkah is also, there's no ocean. I mean, Jeddah is the closest, but Makkah itself is not on the coast. 
Medina is farther from the coast. So you never came across Shrim. Now you're in Yemen, there's you know, more coast. Right? The Indian Sea on the south and on the west is also the, um, the Red Sea. Both sides. So now people, they're fishing. So they're going to ask you. So you, look in the book of Allah. Faidlam tajid, I don't find it. For bisunnati Rasulullah, look in the sunnah. Faidlam tajid, if you don't find it. So this is Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam before he's sending Mu'ad bin Jabal. He's quizzing him, testing him. Are you ready to go? To be the teacher of people of Yemen. Then he said, uh, he didn't just say Allah Rasulullah Alam. Allah Rasulullah. No, you, you, I'm giving you this position. You are going to be the teacher of all the people in Yemen. So you better be ready, right? You know, you're getting a certificate, you're getting an ijazah. You know, they have a li- uh, official license to teach. So you, you're getting an ijazah. You, so do you know your stuff or not? So Rabbi Salaam tested him. Failam tajid, if you don't find sunnah, oh Mu'adh ibn Jabal, you know, what are you going to do? He was not any average student. In fact, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, A'lamuhum bil halali wal haram, Mu'adh ibn Jabal. The one who has the most knowledge in my entire galaxy of Sahaba about halal and haram is Mu'adh ibn Jabal. Even though he was Fatan Ansari, young Ansari man. And Umar radiallahu anhu said that, Wallahi lawla Mu'adhun lahalaka Umar. If it was not for Mu'adh ibn Jabal's guidance and his mashwara, then Umar would have been destroyed. And Rasulullah sallam, uh, swore and said, in fact, he has a fadila juz'iyah, specific virtue. Overall, fadila kulliyah is Abu Bakr Siddiq. Overall, the greatest. But he has a unique virtue. Just like, for example, in sports, you'll say 1% is overall the most valuable player. But in a particular stats, some in particular, okay, somebody may have more rebounds or somebody may have more, uh, you know, assist or somebody may have a particular be better in three points. So likewise, there are different Sahaba who have the juz'i fadila. Afdaluhum bit-tahqiq Abu Bakr Siddiq. Afdal, overall, the best is Abu Bakr radiallahu However, you know, لِكُلِّ أُمَّةٍ أَمِينُ وَأَمِينُ هَذِي الْأُمَّةِ Abu Baydah bin al-Jarrah. Abu Baydah bin al-Jarrah has greatest in his amana. He's the amin al-Ummah. And أَعْلَمُ بِالْحَلَالُ وَحْرَامُ وَعَذِبُ بِنُ الْجَبَلُ And subhanAllah, أَصْدَقُهُمْ حَيَاءً Uthman. Uthman Radhan's Haya is his unique attribute. Aqdahum Ali. Ali Radhan's judgment, sense of giving a qadi, he was the greatest. And Ashaddum fi Amrillah, Umar, that he's strongest in the matter of the deen of Allah Ta'ala. Not in doing dhulm and oppression, but rather uh, in enforcing the order of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala and not uh, fearing anyone. Not worried about someone is going to say something, but worried about what Allah is going to say. Having haya from Allah, maybe that I never want to be in a condition where my Allah sees me that I am disobeying Him. And you can never escape from the sight of Allah, so therefore you cannot disobey Him anytime. So, uh, subhanAllah. So these are called Juzi Fadila. What else is a Juzi Fadila? Afaraduhum Zayd ibn Thabit. Zayd ibn Thabit has the most knowledge regarding the and the knowledge of fara'id. What fara'id? Not salat and psalm. Fara'id over here is referring to mirath, masail of inheritance. So he, he, that requires a, a lot of calculation and math. So he was very good in that. Aqra'ahum Ubay ibn Ka'b. Ubay ibn Ka'b is the greatest qari. So these are unique. This is called fadila juziyah. Unique individual fadila, virtue. So Ubay ibn Ka'b is the greatest so Umar anhu, when, he was, when he established the Talabi Salah, he was looking, who should we make the Imam? So that's why he said, okay, Ubayy ibn Ka'ab, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, he's Aqra'ahum, 
greatest qari. So therefore, he qualifies to be the, the imam. So he made Ubay ibn Ka'b the imam of the Tarawih in the, in the Masjid al-Nabawi. MashaAllah. So imagine Tarawih led by Ubay ibn Ka'b. Uh, so over here, Alam bil Halal. Now, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam asked him, How will you judge? He said, Bikitabi Allah, by the Book of Allah. Fa'ilam tajid, if you don't find it, Bisunnati Rasulullah. Fa'ilam tajid, if you don't find it. Then he said, Ashtahidu bi ra'i. I will make an ishtihad to determine. Hey, what is this? Uh, according to the, this shrimp, you know, the Quran says that samak is halal, fish is halal, and fulan, and, but uh, otherwise it's dying from suffocation or from, uh, it doesn't have oxygen, it, doesn't have, it cannot breathe. So is, which one is it? All right? So he's trying to determine that. Bi ra'i. So Rasulullah then finally gave him the certification. And how did he certify him? The authorization, the diploma was Alhamdulillah. All praise and thanks to Allah who has given that correct understanding, the tawfiq, the guidance to the Rasulah Rasulillah, to the messenger of the messenger of Allah. It's a triple uh, this is like idafa meaning Rasul of Rasul of Allah. Rasulah, Rasulillah. So Allah sent me and I'm sending you. So just like Abu Bakr Siddiq was a Khalifa to Rasulillah, successor to the Prophet. In the beginning, for some time, Umar his title was Khalifa to Khalifati Rasulillah. Successor to the successor of the Prophet of Allah. And it was getting cumbersome. And you didn't have to have, you know, a lot of rocket science to be able to project that the third, next one was going to be what? Khalifatu, Khalifati, Khalifati, Rasulillah. Successor to, the successor of, the successor of Rasulullah. It's only going to get longer. Is it going to get shorter? No. So then it's going to become too cumbersome. So then they made Mashwara. And then they decided that he should be named uh, Amirul Mu'mineen. So Mu'adh ibn Jabal, he made ishtihad. So all the different scholars made ishtihad. Some said some things are halal and haram. And ufi wusaha. So there, is, there are certain things which we cannot, uh, subhanAllah, uh, have uh, ikhtilaf about and there are certain things where it is okay in jais and our problem is that we take the minor issues make them into battles and the big issues we say sometimes it's okay the ummah goes in extreme so mashallah you know uh, you know uh, it's a shia or fula it's okay it's all okay no it's not all okay you know because what, what are some of the aqaids of the shia if we, do we know like they're, they're, some of their aqidas it's not just that oh they love Ali so we love Ali too they love Allah Rasul, we love Allah Rasul. Loving the family of Rasulullah is part of our iman. Our iman is not complete if you do not love Rasul, if you do not love everything associated with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa We love every single rock and stone. Forget about his own beloved grandchildren, that Hassanain that he hugged and he kissed and he held them close to his chest. And um, they, when he would make sajda, they would go onto his back. And when he would give you a speech and they would come and then he would leave it and go and grab them. In fact, Oh, um, uh, one time, uh, I forgot which one of the Hassanin, either Hassan or Hussein, was riding on his neck, not just in the salah, because Saul will say, okay, he couldn't stop them, he was, he was uh, involuntarily just agreeing to this, <laughs> because he's in sajda and what can he do? So he just let it happen. No, when he was awake and alert and outside of salah, he was walking and his grandson was on his neck and he was carrying him. He didn't, like he didn't just climb up on top. He, he put him on top. 
He picked up his baby and put him on top. So when Umar came by and he said that, Subhanallah, Ni'mal Markab, Ya Hassan, what a beautiful ride you have. Oh, Hassan, you have a beautiful ride. Typically, you say that if someone's on a beautiful horse, nice horse, Markab is the ride. They say, well, You have such an amazing ride. You're riding on where? On the neck of Rasulullah. Sallallahu so Rasulullah, what did he say? No one who is riding is great and beautiful indeed, too. He didn't say two, he said he's great. And I, I, I will add two. Or, right? Because Rasulullah is the greatest, of course. So we love the family of Rasulullah, Sayyidah Shababi Ahl Jannah, the, king, the, uh, the leaders of the youth of Jannah. So, but it's not just that, it's attacking Abu Bakr Siddiq and Umar and Uthman. It's cursing them, cursing the Azwaj of Rasulullah, and many other, many other Ba'atul deviated beliefs. So may Allah Ta'ala protect us from that. So when he comes there, we'll say, hey, oh, everyone's okay. When it comes to minor issues, then we start fighting about it. So the Quran says, Ta'muruna bil ma'roof. Right? You invite towards that which is well known. And there's no difference of opinion. Talk about that. Don't talk about divisive issues. Likewise, on the prohibition side, Tanhauna anil munkar. Right? Wa tu'minuna billah. And you believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So one thing to understand is that iman, and believing in Allah Ta'ala has to come first before anything else. The same hadith of Mu'adh bin Jabal and other Sahaba when Rasulullah sent them, he said, what are you going to invite them towards? Iman, Tawheed is the first lesson. Fa'alam, anna la ilaha illallah. Start with Tawheed. Then after that you will study about ibadat and mu'amalat and mu'ashara and akhlaq. These are the things you add on. And Iman is the first thing. When someone accepts Islam, what's the first thing we teach them? This is halal and haram, do's and don'ts. No, first we talk about tawheed. Learn iman. So iman should come first. Chronologically, it's the first thing. So, and then, then it's ma'roof and amr bin ma'roof. Then it's ishtanab al munkar, staying away from sin and nahi al munkar. All that comes after. So over here, it's, it's worth noting that the order seems to be flipped. It says, ta'muruna bil ma'roof wa tanahuna al munkar and wa tu'minuna billah. And you believe in Allah. Why is the iman not mentioned first? So there are a couple of reasons. So even though Iman Billah is supposed to come first, and it's not just, hey, if it comes first, it's better. It's actually a shart, a condition. Without Iman, if a person is doing Amr ibn Aruf, Nahi al-Munkar, he's doing all the great things in the world, all the acts of charity, it does not have any value. It's turned into dust. Because without Iman, if it's without ikhlas, it's turned into dust. So without iman, it's absolutely uh, null and void. No, no, no benefit. Aqsarina amala, who are the greatest losers? They thought they were doing good deeds, but there's no good deeds. This is the ayah that Umar he recited when he saw the monks and the nuns in the convents and the monasteries when he went to accept the keys of Jerusalem and he saw their level of mujahada they're doing taking vows of celibacy not getting married living in the mountaintops and, and um, uh, giving up all the pleasures of the world so he said Allah Ta'ala said these are the greatest losers this is the greatest failure of dunya and akhirah they lost on both <coughs> So you need Iman. Without Iman, no, nothing. it's like, okay, um, 
you know, you eat and drink, kulu ashrabu, eat and drink, and then, you know, you eat and then you drink. You eat food and then you drink. Some people say, no, I drink before I eat. You know, you can do it both ways. But what about wudu and salah? You perform salah and then afterwards you go make wudu? What's the point of that? Wudu doesn't just, okay, we've got time for, mashallah, to eating and drinking. SubhanAllah, time for eating and drinking. We got the sign. So we have to go. But I'm just, let me conclude this one last point, inshallah. Then we go for the breakfast and we have to finish it quickly. So I encourage everyone to go down actually so that uh, we have the hall ready for the Hiv students. Right? Because, mashallah, you can make your longest nawafil and all the askar masnuna and what, and whatever Allah gives you tawfiq and make the offer me too. When? After the breakfast. Oh. So, okay, so uh, uh, so Ta'mur reminded me last time as well. Okay, they have to, before the his class comes in. So, Ta'mur, and I'll, I'll give you, you'll say, when you give us time to eat, we'll eat. Right, so I'll let you go right now. But let me just finish this one last thing. So if you say, perform the salah and then make wudu. Kasibat, what is this? So the salah without wudu is not valid. So likewise, Amarul Ma'arum Nihil Munkar without iman is not valid. But over here, Allah Ta'ala reversed it. Ta'muruna bil ma'arufi wa tanahuna anil munkari wa tu'minuna billah. Why reversed it is because a couple of reasons. One is, each reason, uh, there's so many different reasons mentioned. And uh, sometimes they have like 10, 12, 15 reasons. It's interesting how many reasons they can come up with, the mufassirun. Jami'ul ulumi fil Qur'an ilaka intaqasar anhu afhamur rijali. It is our limit how much we can understand. So many, so much knowledge. But some of them, they really hit you. They're like, wow, that actually makes sense. Honestly, sometimes some of them, they do not make that much sense. Not the Qur'an makes sense. I'm talking about reason number 12, reason number 15. At that point, really struggling to come up with reasons. Uh, but in the, the main ones, I'll just share two reasons which actually make sense. And it's not something theoretical. It makes sense. It has a practical implication too. So one reason, do you understand? First of all, to, what's the problem? You understand the problem, right? Why is Iman afterwards? So the first answer is that, subhanAllah, Iman is something which is common with all of the previous ummas. At least uh, the, the righteous ones amongst them. Those who are going to Jannah. All of them had Iman. Is it something uh, as a bonus for the previous ummas? No, they had to have Iman too. But over here, the context of this ayah is Kuntum. Khaira ummah. You are the best ummah. So is, is it because you have Iman and the people before you did not have Iman? No, they had Iman too. Maybe your quality is stronger, but they all had Iman. So what's the unique thing you had? Um, the fact that you make Amr al-Aruf Nahi and munkar because there is no other Nabi coming after Rasulullah akhar. Every time a Nabi went in the past, another Nabi came. But this Nabi, no Nabi coming after me. That's the difference. So your Amr bin Ma'ruf Nahir Munkar is at a higher level. Doesn't mean that the previous nations did not do Amr bin Ma'ruf Nahir Munkar. They did. Allah Ta'ala says about the Sahaba Sab that those who prohibited evil, those who did Nahir Munkar, those who said, don't fish on Saturday, don't put your traps, you think you're deceiving Allah. So they were doing Nahir Munkar in the past. Sometimes people go a little bit extreme and they say, nobody did Amr al-Ma'roof before. Nobody did Nahir Munkar, only this Ummah is doing it. That's wrong too. They did it as well. But it was not an obligation or a distinction at the level it is for this Ummah. That's why it's mentioned first. Another reason is mentioned first is like, Ya tayyibat wa amalu saliha. You know, eat halal food and do good deeds. Because by eating halal, pure food, it will inspire you, it will give you the noor to do good deeds. Like go eat your breakfast, then pray ishraq. <laughs> the more halal food you eat, they're serving 100% halal food, right? Not 
So, so that is, they give you, if you eat the halal food, tayyibat, wa'amalu salih, then do good deeds. So, because eating halal food, it will inspire you. You'll have a special nur in your ibadah, inshallah. And the opposite is true. The zulma, darkness comes. If you eat haram food, you can, your ibadah is rejected. Right? The, like the one who is lost in the desert, he raises his hand. Ya Rabbi, Ya Rabbi, Ya Rabbi, Why would his dua be accepted? Eating, drinking, and his libas, everything is haram. So his dua is rejected. So likewise, over here, Amrul Ma'roof and Nahiyan Munkar is mentioned before Iman because by inviting towards truth, speaking the haq, and speaking against Munkar, this will what? Strength and increase the Iman. Izdadu Iman and Ma'iman. It is a means of increasing the iman. So that's why iman is mentioned afterwards. Does that make sense? The more amr al-ma'ruf nahi al-munkar you do, what will happen? It will strengthen your own iman. So this is another reason. And this is another reason which makes sense. Right? You will say, I don't have time now, but you will appreciate the reasoning which makes sense if you see some of the reasoning which does not make sense. But for sufficient for our discussion, I'll just share the ones that do make sense. And each one has a unique benefit. So we also learn, wow, Amr ibn Aruf Nehir Munkar actually helps strengthen one iman. We also learn that, wow, Amr ibn Aruf Nehir Munkar is what? Unique attribute of this ummah. So these are the two reasons why it is worded the way it is worded. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us uh, the reward. So this, uh, the understanding and the ver- uh, of our maqam in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But that, that was just the first ayah. And inshallah, we'll try to cover the remaining ones. Allah Ta'ala says, Rasulullah said, We are the best of the Ummah as well. And this will be the Maqam on the Day of Judgment. Jannah is haram upon the Anbiya until I enter it. It's haram upon all the nations to enter it until my nation enters it. We are the last of the Ummah and awwaluha yawm al qiyamah. First to enter Jannah on the Day of Judgment. Subhanallah. So many other virtues are there. So again, to recap, why do we go over these virtues? So we have an opportunity to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it further inspires us to do good. Not that if we develop any kibber and arrogance. We realize Allah ta'ala selected us. Hujtabakum. Hujtabakum. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So istifa and ishtiba means to select. Muhammad al-Mustafa and Ahmad al-Mushtaba. So these words of Mustafa and Mushtaba, this entire Ummah is Mustafa. This entire Ummah is Mushtaba. At a general level. Kum, Allah has selected you. So we are selected by Allah Ta'ala. May Allah Ta'ala inspire us uh, to be able to fulfill the responsibility He has given us. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallam. Allahumma barik ala Muhammad wa ala Muhammad wa barik wa sallam. Oh Allah, fill our hearts with your greatness. Ya Allah, fill our hearts with the love of your Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Fill our hearts with him and courage. Allow us to understand how lofty our status is in your eyes. And to fulfill the responsibilities you have given us, Ya Allah. To fulfill the responsibilities you have entrusted upon us. Oh Allah, our Izzah is through Islam and our Dhilla is by leaving Islam. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, we have brought villa upon ourselves by abandoning the deen. O oh Allah, grant us all izzah, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Grant us the ability to come back to the deen, Ya Rabbil Alameen. O oh Allah, 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 relieve the suffering of those brothers and sisters throughout the world, and in Gaza in particular, their suffering. O oh Allah, bring peace and aman and security throughout the world, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Protect us and our loved ones. Protect our masajid, madaris, our families and businesses. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, O oh Allah, unite the Muslim Ummah, Ya Rabbil Alameen. O oh Allah, forgive all our sins, major and minor, and 
and O Allah be complete with all of us. Subhana rabbika rabbil izati amma yusifun wa salamun amma